millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. To hear ad-free versions of our episodes published several days before their general release, subscribe to They Walk Among Us Plus. Head to patreon.com forward slash They Walk Among Us or search for They Walk Among Us on Apple Podcasts to learn more. Most parents would do almost anything to save a child's life. Some are fortunate enough to be able to afford whatever treatment is needed but money can't buy everything. In 2023, a landmark case highlighted just how far one family was willing to go to help their child, even at the cost of someone else's. This is an extraordinary case where three people used their wealth and power and influence to persuade a young man living in poverty to travel 3,000 miles to the UK. They knew they wanted him to come because they wanted his kidney. He had no idea. And imagine his horror when he realised the truth. The first he found out that it was essentially for his kidneys was when he turned up at the Royal Free Hospital in London to meet doctors. His bravery is what we would highlight to other people to have that kind of courage to come forward, have faith in the Metropolitan Police Service because we can support people through this kind of prosecution. And this decision to do that and seek help from the police has now created a historic legal precedent. 
Welcome to Season 8, Episode 15 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. On May 5th, 2022, a distressed young man presented himself at the front desk of Staines Police Station in northwest Surrey. Tears rolled down his cheeks as he stood at the reception desk asking for help. It took some time for police inquiry officer Sonia Nicholas and Detective Constable Hannah Paisley to calm him down enough to understand what the teenager was saying. English was not his first language, but it was not the language barrier that was confusing them. The young man, who we will refer to as Joseph to protect his identity, told the officers a man had brought him to the United Kingdom from Lagos in Nigeria. He had travelled over 3,000 miles, but had no documentation. When asked if he knew where he was, Joseph said, I don't know anywhere. I don't know where I am. I was sleeping three days outside around looking for someone to help me save my life. He was clearly terrified when he began relaying a story that baffled officers. Joseph explained that he was a 15-year-old orphan who had worked in the markets of Nigeria's most populated city before he was approached by someone who offered him the chance to work in the United Kingdom. Joseph told detectives that he had been taken to the Nigerian capital of Abuja for medical tests, which he believed were part of the visa process before he was flown to London in February 2022. Joseph had never seen an aeroplane before, let alone been a passenger in one. He was nervous to board the flight because he believed the plane would fall from the sky. Perplexingly, a few days after arriving in London, Joseph was then taken to a hospital for more tests. During a consultation, he learned that he was being asked about donating his kidney. Fending for himself with little education, Joseph didn't even know what a kidney was. The doctor continued to ask the teenager questions. Joseph's responses had been manufactured, drummed into him by the people who had brought him into the country. An account of his time in England was gradually laid out to the police. The teenager said that for the past three months he had been staying with someone he called Obina. While in their care, Joseph had not been treated kindly. At night, he was forced to sleep in what he referred to as the parlour of the flat. Given one basic meal a day, and only allowed to leave the property to attend hospital appointments. Joseph told the police, He carried me to hospital to remove my kidneys. The doctor said I was too young. But the man said if you do not do it here, he would carry me back to Nigeria and do it there. Joseph was petrified, 
especially after men he did not know came to the flat and told him to undress. They pressed on his abdomen, making him believe he would be taken back to Nigeria and forced to donate his organs to someone he did not know. Joseph fled the flat with just a small carrier bag, a pair of headphones, and a mobile phone he had been given by his captors. He spent three days walking over 20 miles across London. Joseph was eventually directed to Staines Police Station, where he told investigators his story. The police were able to track down Joseph's visa application, which had been received by the Home Office on January 6th, 2022. It stated that he wanted to travel to the UK in order to donate a kidney to his cousin Sonia. The application read, I wish to state in conclusion of this application that I would be donating an organ to my closest cousin in appreciation for her sacrifices towards me, my family and our community. I am willing to put my life on the line for her to live and continue her good service to humanity. Finally, I wish to say that I will be travelling in company with my uncle, Abina Abalu. He has been a father figure since I lost my biological father. The visa application was sponsored by Senator E.K. Equiamadu. E.K. was a former barrister who had been a member of the People's Democratic Party. He was also the deputy president of the Nigerian Senate and had sat for three terms. In 2021, E.K. was at the COP26 summit in Glasgow, a conference for nations to unite and combat climate change. E.K. led the Nigerian delegation. 60-year-old E.K. Ekwiamadu and his wife, 56-year-old Beatrice, lived in a house worth £1.5 million in Wilsdon, northwest London, with their children who had all been privately educated. Beatrice was a qualified accountant who worked full-time at the Nigerian Auditor General's office and ran a foundation to assist impoverished Nigerians in accessing education and medical treatment. The family were wealthy. E.K. was estimated to be worth about £15 million, and they own properties in the UK, Nigeria and Dubai. In December 2019, their daughter, 25-year-old Sonia Equiamadu, was diagnosed with a potentially life-threatening condition called focal segmental glomerulosclerosis, which affected her kidney function. Sonia had attended private boarding schools in Staffordshire and Norwich before obtaining a degree in media and communications at Coventry University. She had been in the middle of a postgraduate course at Newcastle University when she became ill and had to stop studying. Her condition could only be treated by hours-long dialysis appointments multiple times per week. 
Before long, investigators began to believe that Joseph had been brought to the UK as part of an organ harvesting scheme, and it appeared the Equiamardus had facilitated it. E.K. and Beatrice Equiamardu were arrested at Heathrow Airport after returning from Istanbul on June 21st. Sonia was arrested at their home on Staverton Road in Wilsdon later that day. Me and my brother and my sister were at home and the doorbell rings. I think it's our parents, but it's a bunch of police at the door. Um, they tell me this is you know, what they arrested me for, my first reaction was shock. It was difficult, especially seeing, not even just for me, because if it was a situation where it was just me, I think it would have been easier to handle, but seeing my parents in that situation as well was a lot. Before they were taken into custody, E.K. and Beatrice Equiamadu had been to Turkey and Nigeria, where they were inquiring about organ transplant surgery. When the investigators heard that the plane had landed at Heathrow, they rushed to the runway. Officers boarded the plane and arrested the couple, who had over £30,000 in dollars and Nigerian Naira in their possession. During the police interviews, E.K. Equiamadu denied any involvement in the organ harvesting plot. Beatrice claimed that a third party had been involved in the search to find a kidney donor for their daughter. The husband and wife were charged with conspiring to arrange or facilitate the travel of another person with a view to exploitation between August 1st, 2021 and May 5th, 2022. During a hearing at Uxbridge Magistrates Court on June 23rd, Crown Prosecutor Damila Riaz said that E.K. and Beatrice Equiamadu had promised Joseph a better life in the UK. He was given a passport to get into the country which belonged to a 41-year-old, and the Crown was alleging the document was illegally obtained by the defendant. Joseph was granted a medical travel visa, which claimed the purpose of travel was to assist in treatment for E.K. and Beatrice Equiamadu's daughter. Describing the crimes and Joseph's journey to the UK, Prosecutor Damila Riaz said, It was premeditated. It was planned. Blood tests were obtained in Nigeria and he travelled to the UK in February this year. He was taken to several medical appointments, in particular a medical appointment at the Royal Free Hospital, and was spoken to by a consultant about the organ harvesting for a kidney transplant. The consultant was concerned about his actual age, and was concerned he was not aware he was the donor of the kidney. He only found out that the purpose of his visit was for an organ transplant when he visited the hospital. It is conspiracy in relation to human trafficking offences for the purposes of organ harvesting. The victim in this case is 15 years old. They, the couple, were interviewed at the police station. Both of the defendants have provided a prepared statement. Mr Ikwiamadu, in his prepared statement, denied allegations of human trafficking. 
He said at no stage has he arranged transport for anyone with intention to exploit them. The court heard that Beatrice Equiamadu also denied the allegations against her. E.K. Equiamadu's counsel, Gavin Irwin, acknowledged the seriousness of the charges, but highlighted that his client was a man of high standing in the Nigerian Senate. He is a member of the bar in Nigeria. He is a principal in a law firm that bears his name. Those issues taken together go way beyond him being a person of good character. Rather that he has led a blameless life as a public servant. Gavin Irwin labelled the allegations as preposterous. Further investigation showed the Equiamadus were working with a Nigerian doctor called Abina Robeta, and he had been the one whom Joseph had lived with during his time in London. Dr. Robeta was arrested on July 12th. Documents seized during a search of his home on Hillbreck Close in Southwark appeared to be linked to the organ harvesting scheme, including a passport application, visa forms, and testing results. Dr. Obina Obeta admitted that the donor had been staying with him but denied that the young man was mistreated, controlled, or exploited. The doctor claimed Joseph had offered to donate his kidney. As a transplant recipient himself, Obeta had been advising him about what to expect. Surrey's social services took custody of Joseph while the investigation continued. While delving into his background, they eventually learned Joseph's real name and that he was in fact 21 years old. Joseph had told the police he was younger because he feared being forced to return to the property where he had been held or sent back to Nigeria where his captors could enact some form of retribution. In September 2022, E.K. and Beatrice Equiamadu's daughter, who had been released pending investigation, posted on Instagram with the following caption. I, Sonia Equiamadu, hereby appeal to the general public to come to my aid and save my life. I dropped out of my postgraduate studies at the University of Newcastle in 2019 when I was diagnosed with a rare kidney disease, FSGS nephrotic syndrome. The last three years have been extremely challenging. The charges being faced by my parents in London presently are directly connected to my illness and have complicated matters for me and my family. In November of that year, Sonia was also charged with the same offence as her parents, and all four defendants were sent for trial. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The trial began at the Old Bailey in February 2023. E.K. Beatrice and Sonia Equiamadu, along with Dr. Obina Robetta, all denied conspiring to commit human trafficking. Opening for the prosecution, Hugh Davis Casey told the court that E.K. and Beatrice Equiamadu were wealthy and significant figures in Nigeria. Davis said, they had international connections. There are, however, certain things that money and status cannot guarantee in any family, and they include good health. The jury heard how the couple's 25-year-old daughter, Sonia, had a deteriorating kidney condition treated by daily dialysis, but she needed a kidney transplant. Hugh Davis KC explained, most parents, whether powerful or not in society, will do whatever is necessary to alleviate suffering in their child. The Equiamadus were no different. The evidence, from downloads from their mobile phones and wider actions, demonstrates a close, open and loving family, each with an understandable and direct interest in Sonia's medical treatment. The prosecutor said their motives were not in question, but the lengths they were willing to go to to cure their daughter were. Hugh Davis Casey told the jury that it was illegal to reward someone for donating an organ, and the Equiamadus recruited a young man from Nigeria to harvest his kidney. They had reviewed potential donors, but settled on a 21-year-old man working in a market in Lagos. Joseph sold phone parts and made just a few pounds a day, so he desperately needed the money. 
The Equiamardus allegedly falsified documents to make it seem like Joseph was Sonia's cousin, and he obtained a temporary visa to come to the UK in February 2022. Subsequently, Joseph came under the direction and financial control of the Equiamardus and Dr. Obina Obeta. The planning went as far back as August 2021, when Dr. Obeta, who was classmates with EK's brother D-Way in medical school, had a kidney transplant in the UK in what appeared to be a similar scenario. A month after Dr. Robetta's operation, D-Way messaged his brother EK and wrote, I had an extensive discussion last night with my classmate, who had his transplant last month. I will brief you. Dr. Obetta had claimed the donor was his cousin, but the only evidence supporting that was an affidavit. The prosecutor said, This is the only evidence that exists to say that this relationship is true. If he gives evidence, he can tell you about it. What is clear is, as they went through the process at the Royal Free Hospital, both donor and recipient, Dr. Obetta gave accounts to the reviewing consultants which were reviewed by the Human Tissue Authority that were accepted as to this relationship as cousins. So it worked. He got his transplant. Whatever the truth of any of that, the success of his transplant process provided a clear model for what Sonia needed in her moments of crisis. That's where it started. Claiming to be cousins had worked. The court heard that Dr. Obina Obeta's surgery was allegedly organised by NHS consultant nephrologist Christopher Abo. A nephrologist is a doctor who diagnoses and treats kidney conditions. Dr. Abo was the head of Vintage Health Group, a company that facilitates treatment for foreign patients in British hospitals. Hugh Davis Casey told jurors, Such arrangements may be completely lawful. Equally, sometimes they amount to commercially motivated organ trafficking through a corporate vehicle. Dewey told his brother E.K. that Dr. Obetta would need around £2,000 to start searching for a donor. In October 2021, several potential donors were brought to a screening lab in Nigeria's capital, Abuja. Joseph was one of the first, and the court heard that he had been spotted by the person who donated their kidney to Dr. Robetta months prior. The prosecutor said that Joseph had told the police that he was under the impression that he was going to London for work and needed the screening in order to secure a visa. When Joseph was confirmed to be a match to Sonia, he was brought to the UK. Hugh Davis Casey dismissed the defendant's claims that Joseph had been willing to donate his kidney out of a sense of altruism. The prosecutor said, In the real world, altruistic donors are an exceptionally rare commodity. Those willing to provide organs for reward are not. They are often young, intrinsically economically disadvantaged young men who are likely to come from the poorest and most vulnerable sections of society. 
As such, the law must protect them from themselves. It must protect them from those with greater power who want their body parts. Even if Joseph had agreed to donate his kidney for money, it is still illegal to arrange and facilitate that person's travel with a view to exploiting them. Hugh Davis Casey highlighted the lengths the family went to to make it seem like the donor was a relative and to tell them what to say during consultations when he said, "'None of this would have been necessary if this was a straightforward, genuine, lawful, altruistic kidney donation.' It was not." The prosecutor argued that Joseph was told what to say when questioned by doctors at the Royal Free Hospital, and Davis said that Sonia had been singing from the same hymn sheet. The court heard that the amount Joseph was promised varied between £2,400 and £7,000 in Nigerian Naira. He was also guaranteed the chance of a new life in the UK. Pointing out the significance of what was on offer to someone who barely made ends meet on the streets of Nigeria, Hugh Davis KC told jurors, Relative to the wider medical costs of the process, measured in tens of thousands of pounds, which would have been done privately, his reward was to be a small fraction of the whole. To him, a street trader from Lagos, these sums and rewards were significant. When he first arrived in the UK, Joseph was unaware of the plans to travel to a hospital to discuss donating a kidney. A consultant noted that the young man appeared to have a limited understanding of why he was there, and when doctors decided not to do the surgery, Joseph seemed relieved. The consultant, Dr Peter Dupont, was told by the hospital's administration that the Equiamadus had paid a £10,000 deposit and they had prepared a letter in support of the donor's visa. Dr Dupont felt Joseph's relationship with his so-called cousin Sonia was far too tenuous for this to be a truly altruistic act. The Equiamadus claimed that Joseph was aware and argued that his medical testing in Nigeria as well as WhatsApp messages proved this. The prosecutor said, More widely, the prosecution contends that the donor was subject to a high degree of control throughout, and was dependent on what he was told for his understanding. The defendants had enlisted the help of a medical secretary, Evelyn Abbasano, to work as an interpreter for Joseph. Abera, as Evelyn was more commonly known, had been involved in Dr. Obina Obeta's transplant, which was suspected of being the same exploitation scam. Abera had first interpreted during a consultation between Joseph and Dr. Dupont on February 24, 2022. Dupont had decided that Joseph was not a suitable candidate, but Ibera had spoken with E.K. Equiamadu's brother Dewey, and they sought a second opinion. Dewey sent Sonia a message and advised her on how to make her relationship with her supposed cousin seem more sincere. Dewey wrote, 
it would be easier to establish that his mum and your mum are sisters. If we stretch it to the grandmum and grandmum, the relationship will be too distant. After Sonia agreed, Dwey sent a message to E.K. to update him on a bearer's role in the scheme. He wrote, I've met the interpreter. She agreed to work with us. She will be involved in coaching the boy. During his consultation and interview, she will be providing the relevant interpretation. She insisted that I give her £1,500. I think they just position themselves to exploit people. Dwayne told E.K. that he had met with a bearer and introduced the interpreter to both Sonia and Joseph. Ibera had allegedly advised Joseph to come to the hospital with Sonia twice a week while she was receiving dialysis. Dwey said, Psychologically, everyone in the team will have to accept that he's really committed to his cousin's health, and it usually makes it easier to accept the person for the procedure. Joseph attended a consultation with a second surgeon at the hospital on March 11th. Following the meeting, Dwey relayed what Abera had told him about how it went. She said the boy did better today, but he's still showing so much timidity. She covered up for him and added the words as much as possible. The surgeon will discuss with Dr. Dupont and they will communicate with us. They will continue to work on the boy's confidence. Ibera and Abina. The new surgeon concurred with Dr. Dupont's opinion that Joseph was not a suitable donor. Sonia was told of the decision on March 29th, 2022. Joseph was supposed to fly back to Nigeria on May 9th, but he had left Dr. Obina Obeta's home where he was staying on May 3rd and spent several nights sleeping rough. On May 5th, Joseph walked into Staines Police Station and told officers that he had been brought from Nigeria to donate a kidney to someone he did not know. The prosecutor spoke about the incident that preceded Joseph leaving the flat. He explained that men had arrived and began probing Joseph's abdomen. Hugh Davis KC told the court... On any view, they were measuring him up, literally for another transplant, no doubt using tests that had already been done. He is a continuing asset. After the plans for the transplant in London were unsuccessful, Equiamardus inquired about finding a new donor and having the surgery done in Turkey. The prosecutor said, in the event which we anticipate that any of the Equiamadu seek to argue that the whole responsibility here was with Dr. Obeta, the arrangements linked to Turkey did not involve him at all. This is the Equiamadus at their own initiative, acting out the ongoing agreement to obtain a kidney and reward the donor. It was anticipated that the defendants would claim that they believed Joseph was acting of his own free will without the promise of a reward. But Davis argued, Body parts are not car parts. They simply cannot be traded for reward. 
Supply of human body parts for reward is human exploitation in all circumstances. The prosecution contends that the evidence will establish, albeit for different motives, no better for a fee, their queer mardus to address an urgent clinical need, that each of these defendants agreed to arrange or facilitate the travel of the victim to London with a view to his exploitation, with a view to rewarding him for providing a kidney. E.K. Equiamadu's counsel Martin Hicks KC asked the jury to be open to the cultural differences between the UK and Nigeria, with particular regard to altruistic donation. Hicks told the court, We say the issue in this case is simple. Did there exist an agreement to exploit the donor in the way the prosecution allege? And if so, who was a party to it? E.K. denies he put directly or indirectly any reward to the donor or offered to do so, and throughout he believed the donor was content to do so without reward. The barrister claimed that Dr. Obeta had spoken with E.K. Equiamadu's brother Dewey and offered to help the family find a donor for Sonia. Martin Hicks KC told jurors about an expression in Nigeria that said, Everyone is each other's keeper. And as a result, it was not unheard of for someone to decide to donate their kidney to a person they were not related to. According to E.K. Equiamadu, he only spoke to his brother Dewey, and he had trusted in the medical knowledge and standing of professionals. E.K. said he was unaware of Joseph's visa application where it was falsely stated that he was Sonia's cousin. E.K. maintained he did not attend any consultations between Joseph and the doctors at Royal Free Hospital. Sonia Equiamadu's defence counsel, John Femiola KC, described the severe kidney disease that his client suffered from and how she had to receive dialysis for four hours three times a week to survive. The barrister told the court, The treatment is for the rest of her life unless there is a transplant in the future, which now must be in doubt given the publicity this case has attracted. Her illness is life-threatening, life-limiting, and potentially life-ending. Of course, her parents love her, as do all her immediate family and friends. It may not surprise you to learn that everyone, in particular her parents, would wish to protect her against the emotional and psychological stress which you may think accompanies such a terrible illness. It is her case that she had no awareness of any reward or other material advantage offered to potential donors that came forward to help her. Beatrice Equiamadu's barrister Anuma Hindru Casey said that his client had not been kept up to speed as the prosecution suggested she had been. Sally Howells Casey, representing Dr. Obina Obeta, said that his experience as a transplant recipient meant that he could help the Equiamadus. According to the barrister, Obeta's donor willingly came from Lagos and donated a kidney to the doctor, 
Obeta wanted to assist a family going through the same difficult situation he had. Sally Howe's Casey told the jury, He was motivated by his desire to help a fellow citizen because no one would understand the misery and pain like someone who had been through it themselves. Through his work as a doctor of medicine in Nigeria, Obina Obeta was both respected and admired. He had touched the lives of many and those people had a great affection for him. It is perhaps of little surprise that his donor was not the only donor willing to make the necessary kidney donation to the doctor for his transplant. Dr. Peter Dupont gave evidence at the trial. He was the kidney specialist from Royal Free Hospital in London who had met Joseph when he was presented as a donor. Recalling his first interaction with the donor at a consultation in February 2022, Dr. Dupont said that he noticed a significant wealth disparity between the Equiamardus, who reportedly owned 40 properties worldwide, and Sonia's supposed cousin, who told the doctor his parents worked at a market in Lagos. Dr. Dupont said he suspected the man was being financially coerced into donating his kidney. The witness told the court, You worry that some reward, financial or otherwise, has been promised to the donor in return for them coming forward to donate. Even if they deny it, we're clinicians. We're not the FBI or CIA. We have no means to investigate people. We have to go on our clinical instincts as potential red flags and risks in this situation. Explaining that Joseph appeared younger than the age he was given, Dr. Dupont expanded on why he did not find Joseph suitable to be a donor. He appeared to be younger than the 21 years that was presented. I wanted to explore what had motivated him to come forward. His answers were brief. Single sentences, single words. He didn't really appear to have any understanding about what it was he was signing up for. You want to hear that they have an understanding and motivation to help the prospective recipient, that they're likely to have a close relationship with a prospective recipient. I wasn't really hearing that from this young man. Joseph's responses had been relayed by Evelyn Abbasonu, the interpreter known as a bearer who was being paid by the Equiamardus. The potential donor had told Dr. Dupont that he had not seen Sonia since he was eight years old, and they had not spoken much since he offered to be a donor. The doctor said that struck him as incongruous. I just worried about the nature of the relationship with the recipient, Dr. Dupont told the court. It seemed very distant. They hadn't seen each other in many years. They weren't close contacts. They had barely spoken since. Dr. Dupont explained that Joseph was very subdued and did not seem to understand what he had signed up for. When the doctor mentioned the word donate, Joseph said that he did not have any money to donate. Joseph then asked what a kidney was. 
Dr. Dupont had also interviewed Sonia and told the court that she did not seem grateful for what would be a massive sacrifice on Joseph's behalf. In fact, she seemed distant. The doctor testified that Sonia's kidney condition was not genetic, which made him question why someone else in the family had not offered to donate their kidney. Joseph gave evidence at the trial. Answering questions via video link with the help of an interpreter, Joseph explained that he had been born and raised in a small village in Nigeria. He did not know his date of birth, but he believed he was 22 years old at the time of the trial. As the oldest of nine children, Joseph left school at the age of 15 to help his parents financially. They had no running water or electricity in the village, and their food source was predominantly anything they could grow. Joseph moved to Lagos to live with his uncle and helped him sell mobile phone accessories. Four years later, he began working for himself, selling phone accessories out of a wheelbarrow and earning three to four thousand naira per day, the equivalent of five to seven pounds. Joseph told the court that Dr. Obina Obeta was the person who brought him to the UK. He testified about his early conversations with the doctor and said, He asked me what I am doing and I told him I'm doing business selling phone accessories in Lagos, and he started talking about coming to London. He's going to take me to London, stay at his house, and I will work. Dr. Obeta had told him that he had found Joseph's number from a friend, the same man who had donated a kidney to Obeta months earlier. Obeta gave Joseph £36 to travel on a bus to Abuja for blood tests, and while he was there he had passport photos taken. Joseph said, They did not tell me what the tests were for. I thought it was for the visa. Joseph did not even see his passport until he went for a visa interview and then it was taken from him again until February when he travelled to London. Joseph told the prosecutor he thought he would start working once he got to the UK and trusted Dr. Obeta because he believed the doctor was from God. He only told me about the work, Joseph said. He asked me not to tell people that I'm coming to the UK. Upon his arrival in the United Kingdom, Joseph met with the Equiamadus, and a photograph was taken of him and Sonia. In the picture, they are both smiling at the camera. Joseph testified the others at the meal that night spoke amongst themselves and did not ask him anything, so he did not know who they were. A few days later, he went to the Royal Free Hospital with Dr. Obeta for what he believed was an examination to clear him to work. He had been coached on what to say when questioned by the doctor. Joseph explained that Obeta told him to say that he had been to college in Nigeria and Sonia Equiamadu was his cousin. He 
said this was the first time he ever heard the name Equiamatu. Obetta also told Joseph if the doctor asked to deny that he had been offered any money and provided Joseph with further answers for any other questions the doctor might ask. When he met the interpreter Abera at the hospital, she told Joseph that he was not doing a small thing. Joseph testified, I don't understand the woman when she said what they brought me to do was not a small thing, because I did not know why they brought me to the hospital. He then heard the doctor speak about donating a kidney. Joseph said he was shocked and wanted to cry because nobody had told him what exactly was happening. Following the consultation, Joseph was deemed unsuitable as a donor. After that, he felt as if he was treated like a slave and became fearful for his safety. Joseph described leaving Dr. Obetta's flat and sleeping three nights under some bushes before handing himself in at a police station. Dr. Obina Obetta took the stand in his own defence. Obetta spoke about his experience with kidney failure and said that his mother had died of the condition in 2016. When he became ill, he was determined not to meet the same fate. Dr. Obetta had been running a private hospital in Nigeria at the time, and he put out an appeal for a donor. There was a good response because Obetta believed he was well regarded. I was treating a lot of them for free, and I was inspiring the young ones to go to university. Dr. Obetta had moved to London while on a transplant list, with his dialysis costing him around £1,125 per week. Obetta organised his surgery through Dr. Christopher Abo and the Vintage Health Group. However, the defendant admitted to the court that he had in fact lied when he claimed his own kidney donor was a relative in the summer of 2021. Obetta said, I wish to sincerely apologise for that. At that point, I was desperate to survive. We are Nigerians and no one was going to believe that he is doing it out of his goodwill, so we just had to lie. I'm not proud of the lie. But circumstances compel you to do a lot of things because you feel like you're drowning. You're being pushed to the grave and what little money you have is being spent on dialysis. After the success of his surgery, others in similar circumstances sought Dr. Obetta's advice, including Diwe Equiamadu, whose niece suffered from a life-threatening condition which affected her kidney function. Obetta said, I told him about my experience in London and told him London was very good. I told him you need to reach out for people to help you and help you with the issue of a donor. Dr. Obetta spoke to Dr. Christopher Abo on behalf of the Equiamadu family and was told that Sonia's transplant would cost over £80,000 and 
and Obetta would receive £2,000 in commission. Dr. Obetta had attempted to find work as a doctor in the UK after moving to London with his family, but he had to begin working as a cleaner when he came under financial strain. Next, the court heard from 60-year-old Senator E.K. Equiamadu. He described how his daughter had been undertaking her master's degree at Newcastle University when she became unwell and suffered from swollen limbs in December 2019. Sonia was subsequently diagnosed with a kidney disease and she had to leave university when she became too sick to sit through classes. E.K. told the court that Sonia's medication was not working and he was scared as her health began to decline. None of Sonia's siblings were able to donate their kidney because they did not have the same blood type. But after hearing about Dr. Obina Robetta's surgery from his brother, E.K. said they were hopeful. On September 23, 2021, E.K. messaged his brother, Dway. I think we should also start the process of looking for a donor, etc., in the event it comes to that. Dway responded, Obina said they will need an additional 1 million Nara to start their search in candidate testing. Financial records showed that EK transferred 1 million Nara or £1,800 to Dr. Obetta the next day. The prosecution alleged this was a finder's fee for Dr. Obetta, who had been tasked with finding a donor. Dway Equiamadu had messaged his brother E.K. that day, telling him that Dr. Obetta had received the money and they would begin what was described as the search and screen. A few weeks later, Dway Equiamadu told E.K. that they had found some donors who had the same blood type as Sonia, and they would be brought to Abuja for further screening. He also told his brother that he would let him know what lab was conducting the tests, so Sonia could be tested for cross-matching to ensure the donor was suitable. On November 1st, 2021, Dway told E.K., the guy matched very well for the transplant. He is free of viral infections. My opinion is that we will proceed with this guy. And since this guy is around, let us start processing his passport. On the stand, E.K. Equiamadu was asked what he believed the term stranger altruism meant. And he replied, It was lawful for people to donate kidneys, but it must be out of their own compassion. Must be altruistic and because of the nature of our society and the compassion level, we knew it was possible. Nigeria is a very compassionate society, more than most African countries. I'm aware that communities contribute money to send people to school. You don't have to have campaigns to give blood in Nigeria, because people come and give their own. Ikeak Wiamadu claimed that he had told his brother to tell Dr. Obetta to abide by the law and ensure everything was legal. He was adamant that organ donation should never come from coercion or financial enticement. 
However, E.K. revealed that he became sceptical of the service Dr. Obetta was providing when he received an £8,000 invoice from a consultant. E.K.'s defence barrister asked him why he did not just stop the plan there and then, and E.K. replied, My daughter's life was on the line, so if we stop, we will be putting my daughter's life in danger. So we just keep moving. Everybody was obviously taking advantage of my daughter's ill health. E.K. Equiamadu was questioned about an affidavit found in Dr. Obetta's home during a search after his arrest. The affidavit was unsigned and stated that Joseph was Sonia's cousin. E.K. told the court, I felt embarrassed because that's not true, and I told my daughter to ignore the document. I told her not to sign it because it was bad enough she had been made to create the impression she was related to the donor. It was more complicated to do an affidavit. If you sign an affidavit, you have to tell the truth. Ikeik Wiamadu insisted the document was a forgery. The prosecutor asked E.K. why he had not sought out a real family member to donate a kidney to his daughter instead of trying to exploit someone. The defendant replied that he had been advised not to by his brother, who was medically trained, highlighting that the experts that the defendant had spoken to did not diagnose and treat diseases of the kidney. Prosecutor Hugh Davis K.C. asked, on the question of whether a family member could, in principle, act as a donor, you decided that it was not possible based on a reported conversation between your non-nephrologist brother and Dr. Obetta, a non-nephrologist. E.K. said that he believed his brother had more medical knowledge than him, so he did not question it, claiming he himself had limited intelligence. The prosecutor responded, It is incredible. You do not lack intelligence. The fact is you did not even try to ask Sonia's cousins, for example, to consider acting as a donor. What you are saying is you had no intention of anyone in your family, immediate or extended, stepping up to donate a kidney to Sonia. Far better to buy one and let the medical risk go to someone you don't know. From beginning to end, it demonstrates all the victim was to you was a body part for sale, because he was going to get work and he would be paid the 3.5 million naira you felt you owed him nothing. E.K. Equiamadu denied that was true, and said that he had not tried to pay someone to donate a kidney to his daughter. Hugh Davis K.C. told the defendant... The transplant with the donor not having gone ahead, you and your family then immediately sought to recruit further donors for award, transferring jurisdiction out of the UK to Turkey. That failed too because even that donor had not been trained properly to give the false answers when interviewed. You did not move away from the Royal Free clinical team because they lacked expertise. When another donor was required, you immediately sought to transfer the clinical process to Turkey. 
E.K. said that he had looked into surgery in Turkey because it was cheaper, which prompted the prosecutor to say, you were looking to cut corners on your daughter's clinical outcome to save money. You were a wealthy man, Senator. The jury heard that the Equiamardus began looking for other potential donors almost immediately after Joseph was deemed unsuitable. The prosecutor suggested that Sonia knew about the plot the entire time and was kept informed throughout each stage. When her father had sent his daughter photographs of two new potential donors and asked her to pick one, she had responded, The dark one looks better. The light one looks like he will run away. E.K. denied that Sonia had been aware of what was happening and said he had other matters to deal with, so he did not tell her. Hugh Davis KC replied, What other issue had anything like the level of importance over your daughter's potentially life-limiting, life-ending condition? E.K. Equiamadu, who had admitted to organising the victim's travel to the UK but denied doing it to exploit him or reward him for donating his kidney, claimed that he was a victim himself. He said he had been scammed by the doctors involved in the case. Fifty-six-year-old Beatrice Equiamadu then testified in her own defence. She told the court how her family meant everything to her. Let me paint a picture of one of the things we do as a family. When my first son was at the University of Lancashire studying law, he complained about one of the modules. My husband spent the whole day teaching and guiding him through. What I teach my children is this family, each and every one of us. That's the only thing we have. So if anything is happening to your siblings, you have to get on it. When something is happening to one of us, one of our siblings, nobody will rest until that is solved. According to Beatrice, her husband had over 80 staff that drove him around and cleaned, although she cooked his meals at home. She worked in the Nigerian Auditor General's office, but Beatrice claimed that her husband looked after the family's finances. She said they were a traditional household. The defendant spoke about how her daughter became sick in 2019. Beatrice said that doctors initially suspected the swelling was from travelling, but when they returned to London, they saw a specialist at Cromwell Hospital and Royal Free Hospital, where she was diagnosed with the kidney condition. Beatrice claimed that her husband spoke with his brother Dewey, who they considered to be the family doctor, and she was only briefed on things from time to time. On the stand, she was asked what she knew about the search for donors. I do not know the full details. I just know that D-Way was speaking with his friend who was trying to help us, having gone through the procedure. It's in line with our culture, our people. When you marry a woman, you are ready to protect and cater for her. 
Beatrice maintained that she was not involved in the search or the discussions around the search for a donor, but she did know that finding one was her daughter's best hope. The defendant was aware of the fact that her daughter had met with Joseph for a meal to get to know him before the first hospital appointment. Beatrice told the court, I knew that we are not related, but I didn't know even why it came up as the donor was voluntarily donating. Even my daughter Sonia said, why would we lie about the relationship when the donor was coming to help us voluntarily? I just wanted my daughter to be well. Beatrice was adamant that she did not know Joseph had been offered money. Although her parents addressed the court in their own defence, Sonia Equiamadu chose not to testify. When all evidence and testimony had been presented, closing arguments began. Referencing how close Joseph had been to having a kidney removed, the prosecutor told the court, You may think if there is a lesson to be learnt here that those clinicians ought to set their index of safeguarding somewhat lower, but that is not for these proceedings. E.K. Equiamadu's barrister Martin Hicks KC argued that his client was not an organ trafficker. The Equiamadu family were exploited by those who had their own interests to serve. The real victim is a young woman now aged 25. The barrister claimed that Joseph had made a deal with Dr. Obina Obeta to donate his kidney in exchange for the opportunity to live and work in the UK, and it was Obeta who had scammed the Equiamadus. Martin Hicks Casey contended that EK had placed his trust in experts, Dr. Obeta and his brother Dewey, and took their advice to lie and say that Joseph was Sonia's cousin in order to expedite an urgent process. Dr. Obeta's barrister Sally Howes KC said it was cruelly ironic that Obeta's attempts to assist the Equiamadus had almost destroyed him. After some considerable time deliberating, the jury returned with a verdict for each of the defendants. A wealthy Nigerian politician, his wife and a corrupt doctor are behind bars tonight after being found guilty of a shocking and elaborate organ harvesting plot. The 60-year-old Nigerian senator Ike Ekweremadu was one of those found guilty at the Old Bailey today. That was along with his 56-year-old wife, Beatrice, and a medical middleman, Dr. Obinao Beta, from Southwark in South London. Their daughter, Sonia, however, was cleared after the court deliberated for almost 14 hours. Police praise the victim's bravery today in coming forward to help secure the convictions. All three defendants are facing a maximum life sentence under modern slavery laws. The landmark case was the first time defendants had been convicted of an organ-harvesting conspiracy under the Modern Slavery Act. D. 
Detective Superintendent Andy Furphy with the Metropolitan Police spoke outside the courtroom following the verdicts. This is the first conviction of its kind in the UK. We could not have achieved this without the courage of one person, our victim survivor. I want to commend him for his bravery in speaking out. Modern slavery is all around us. We need the public's help in identifying potential victims of trafficking and exploitation to bring offenders to justice and to protect the vulnerable. The conviction exposed a harrowing truth that this was not the first or the last case of its kind, even if it was the first conviction. Speaking to The Guardian, Dominic Martin, a health ethics professor who studies organ trafficking, said that the case highlighted the need for stricter vetting. There is a level of complacency, including in the UK, the US and Australia, regarding the risks of organ trafficking happening within our borders. Screening programmes may not be as strong as we assume, or as consistently implemented as we might expect. Organ trafficking is increasingly sophisticated, with prospective donors and recipients often specifically trained in order to successfully pass psychosocial evaluation, rehearsing fake relationships, and with carefully counterfeited documents, so even very good screening programmes might be duped. So where are we now? E.K. Equiamadu, Beatrice Equiamadu, and Dr. Obina Obeta were brought back to the Old Bailey for sentencing on May 5th, 2023. Mr. Justice Johnson addressed them in his sentencing remarks. People trafficking across international borders for the harvesting of human organs is a form of slavery. It treats human beings and their body parts as commodities to be bought and sold. It is a trade that preys on poverty and misery and desperation. The evidence shows that those who are impoverished, often living in multi-dimensional poverty, desperate for a better life, and ignorant of the true risks, are sometimes willing to donate their organs for money or the chance to work in the UK. Significant risks attach to such donation without proper aftercare. You each played a part in that despicable trade. The judge highlighted how Dr. Obetta had manipulated and duped the system successfully for his own kidney transplant, encouraging him to help the Equiamadus do the same. Mr. Justice Johnson also spoke about the clear disparity and inequality between the victim and the Equiamadus. While going through the sentencing guidelines, the judge had to quantify the harm inflicted on the victim. The transplant did not go ahead. 
but you each intended that it should go ahead, and you each intended the harm to the donor that would result, and which was eminently foreseeable. The donor would have faced invasive surgery with a small but still possible risk of death. He would have faced spending the rest of his life with only one kidney and without any funding for the required aftercare. He would have faced an increased risk of early onset raised blood pressure and of developing chronic kidney disease later in life, as, a, as well as a lifetime risk of needing dialysis himself or even a kidney transplant. He was at an increased risk because of his young age and his ethnicity. The removal of a kidney amounts to serious physical harm, which has a substantial and long-term effect. I am sure that the risks had not been properly explained to him before he was brought to the UK. He was deceived and pressurised into donating a kidney. I reject the defence assertions that he consented in any meaningful sense. I am sure that he did not. There has been a substantial and long-term adverse impact on his daily life. He is scared to return to Nigeria because of the risk of retribution from those that are sympathetic to you. He lives a solitary existence and is separated from his life, his friends and his family as a direct result of this offence. To calculate the sentences, the judge listed the aggravating and mitigating factors for each defendant. He found that Dr Obeta deliberately targeted a victim who was particularly vulnerable due to his age his isolation from his family, and his financial situation. You, Abina Abeta, fall within the high culpability bracket. You played a leading role in the offending. You identified the donor and controlled him throughout the process. You did so in the expectation of substantial financial reward. I reject your assertion that there's no evidence of substantial financial advantage. You applied a high degree of planning and premeditation. For example, you arranged the visa, you secured a fabricated affidavit, and you organized a scheme to seek to deceive the clinicians and ultimately the Human Tissue Authority. Even after the scheme to exploit Joseph was abandoned, Obeta sought others to exploit in the same way. The judge did, however, consider that Obeta was a person of good character who had undergone a kidney transplant. Dr. Obina Obeta was sentenced to 10 years in prison. The judge said that E.K. Equiamadu had a profound understanding of the victim's vulnerabilities 
as he had worked for the EKO, a foundation which helps those in a similar position. You also played a leading role in the offending, and to a greater extent than Obina Obeta, you did so in order to secure a material advantage, namely a human kidney for your daughter. You were involved in a high degree of planning and premeditation. For example, you orchestrated the arrangements with your brother, Dewey. You sought to conceal your link to the payment of a donor reward by instructing a member of your staff to make the payment via a currency trader. You were involved in the corruption of a member of hospital staff. I reject the defence suggestion that you were naive as to offers or payments of a reward to the donor or that you only joined the conspiracy at a late stage. I am satisfied so that I am sure that you were the driving force throughout. E.K. had given strict instructions to ensure that Joseph was controlled. When he was not accepted as a donor, E.K. immediately looked for someone else to exploit. E.K. Equiamadu was sentenced to nine years and eight months. Mr. Justice Johnson acknowledged that Beatrice Equiamadu did not have direct involvement in identifying a donor and had been motivated by maternal devotion and desperation to help her daughter. I accept the submission of Anu Mahindru King's Council that your family was patriarchal and you were deferential to your husband. Your role was primarily to adopt the cousin lie. There was, so far as you are concerned, some limited planning and premeditation. You committed the offence in the expectation of a material advantage, namely securing a kidney for your daughter. Your case falls at the cusp of lower and medium culpability. Beatrice Equiamadu was sentenced to four years and six months in prison. Beatrice had been allowed to remain at home on an electronically monitored curfew for 234 days, which allowed for 117 days to be deducted from her sentence. Dr. Abo, alleged to have facilitated the medical tourism, was not charged. He was allowed to work under a restricted license as investigations were underway. The interpreter who was involved in the exploitation has not been charged, nor has Diwe Ekwiamadu, who is in Nigeria. Referencing the defendant's claims that Nigerians are frequently altruistic donors, Nigerian haematologist Dr. Ibrahim Musa was interviewed by a reporter for The Mail. Dr. Musa said, Culturally, we are not altruistic even to our siblings. There is a general hesitancy even for blood donation among Nigerians, not to speak of kidneys or other organs. Nigerians have a penchant for making money, and once money is involved, 
There are people who would be willing to donate their kidney to those who can pay the right price. Dr Musa was of the opinion that many Nigerians believe that they would be giving away a part of their soul if they donated an organ. Kidney disease affects a disproportionate number of people in Nigeria, with 10% of people being affected. 90% of those people who need transplants opt to have the surgery done in India because it is reportedly cheaper and less regulated. Sonia Ekwiamadu was not on the NHS deceased donor list. If she had been, she could have received a life-saving gift for free. Thank you for listening. And special thanks to our patrons for their support. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.